It's one o'clock. I'm Sean Kennedy. The headlines. The Civic Party says government foot-dragging over virus testing caused chaos at the airport yesterday. The authorities admit they're encountering delays activating bracelets designed to monitor new arrivals in quarantine. And the government says there's no change in the SAR's policy for foreign journalists, despite Beijing's move to revoke credentials for reporters at several U.S. publications. Civic Party lawmaker Dr Kwok Kaki says there was chaos at the airport yesterday because the government took so long to set up coronavirus testing centres for people flying back to Hong Kong. He says the government announced compulsory quarantine measures on Sunday, which took effect on Thursday, so it had five days to set up the testing centres. He says one parent complained that her son was forced to wait at the airport for 18 hours because there were insufficient hospital rooms for testing. public doctor says the two temporary coronavirus testing centres that open today should ease the workload of public hospitals. Arasina Ma, the president of the Public Doctors Association, says isolation beds used by people waiting for test results can now be used to treat patients with more severe symptoms. If we can concentrate this group of mild, relative asymptomatic and well people, get them a test somewhere else rather than sending them all to our public hospital, it can ease our workload quite a lot. Because currently our isolation facilities in our hospital have been quite highly occupied, especially because we've got increasing numbers of confirmed cases in this week. And most of the confirmed cases need to stay in the isolation wards for one to two weeks or even longer. Authorities have experienced delays in activating quarantine monitoring bracelets given to airport arrivals. Candace Wong reports. Only a third of 6,000 monitoring bracelets handed out yesterday have been properly activated, according to Chief Information Officer Victor Lam. He said around 4,000 people arriving hadn't received a verification text message needed to activate the smartphone application linked to the bracelet. The bracelet monitors a person's location during the 14 days quarantine period. Mr Lam admitted the procedure was launched in haste and there may be delays in verifying accounts. He said officials didn't require the arrivals to install the app at the airport because there could be up to 10,000 people arriving and they wanted to avoid crowds forming. But he stressed the quarantine period starts as soon as they land in Hong Kong, not when they activate the application. Two local companies have been awarded subsidies of up to $2.5 million to make surgical face masks for the local market. Walter Swong reports. The government's local mask production subsidy scheme will subsidize a maximum of 20 local production lines. The first two companies have been approved. Top Will Passion says it can supply 2 million masks to the government and 250,000 masks for the local market every month. The second, Shang Manufactory, says it can supply 800,000 masks to the government every month. The government says each company can receive around $2 million based on their production output and capital expenditure. The subsidy scheme has attracted 82 applicants so far. 
The Secretary for Commerce and Economic Development, Edward Yao, says the basic law guarantees freedom of the press in the SAR and the government welcomes foreign journalists working in Hong Kong. He was commenting after the Ministry of Foreign Affairs revoked the credentials of US journalists working for three prominent media organisations and said the order also applied to Hong Kong. Mr Yao was asked what action the SAR government would take in response to the ministry's order against the journalists who work for the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal and the Washington Post. Uh, the Ministry for Foreign Affairs has made a, a public statement in, on Wednesday saying that, well, um, the arrangement was a reciprocal arrangement in, in response to the U.S. sort of a, uh, unfair treatment of certain uh, Chinese media in the U.S. So it is a, basically a reciprocal arrangement by uh, the ministry. As far as Hong Kong is concerned, basic law do provide uh, protection for um, freedom of press and also provide, uh, we always welcome international journalists to uh, do their jobs in Hong Kong in strict accordance with both the basic law and the local laws. I think that will continue to be the case. A survey by the Business and Professionals Alliance has found that 90% of respondents think the MDR should cut ticket prices by 30%. The party's lawmaker Priscilla Leung said the company should consider the reduction by the end of next week before it announces new fares, and adding that this was backed by around 1,000 respondents. She says she hopes that if the MDR cuts prices, it will set an example for other transport companies to ease the burden for Hong Kong people struggling because of the coronavirus. 30% of reduction of transport fare for MTR actually is not too much. It only means one piece of bread. Public transportation companies, including buses and MTR, I think they should join hands to show their willingness to try their very best. I think 30% for public transportation is a very fair request. Overseas, the governor of California has issued a statewide order directing people to stay at home to stop the spread of the coronavirus. In an online news conference, Gavin Newsom said it was time to make tough decisions. Here's the BBC's David Willis. California is America's most populous state. It's also been identified as one of the main centers of the coronavirus here in the U.S. Now the state's governor, Gavin Newsom, is ordering people here to stay at home. The announcement came less than an hour after officials in Los Angeles County ordered the closure of all indoor shopping malls and non-essential retail outlets. Gavin Newsom has estimated that more than half of the residents of California could contract the coronavirus over the course of the next eight weeks. President Trump is expected to announce the temporary closure of the U.S.-Mexico border for non-essential travel. The emergency measures will be similar to the agreement the U.S. has with Canada. As the BBC's Barbara Platt-Usher reports. President Trump said earlier this week that on the southern frontier, he planned to invoke a rarely used law to halt the spread of contagious diseases, and that would authorize great latitude to tighten controls. Reports say under the emergency measures, migrants who crossed illegally would immediately be sent back to Mexico, including those seeking asylum. The department dealing with border security has warned about the danger of the coronavirus spreading through migrant detention facilities. The move would be in line with long-time arguments by immigration hawks for swift deportations and with the president's own periodic calls to shut down the Mexican border to stop the flow of migrants. And President Trump has announced that the anti-malaria drug chloroquine has been approved for use as a treatment for COVID-19. The drug has recently been administered to patients in China and France with some indications it may help. Mr Trump said it could be a game changer.
This has been used in different forms, very powerful drug in different forms. And it's shown very encouraging, very, very encouraging early results. And we're going to be able to make that drug available almost immediately. But a public health official standing alongside Mr Trump was more cautious, saying it was important not to give false hope. Italy has surpassed China as the country with the highest number of deaths from the coronavirus pandemic. The Italian total has climbed above 3,400, 160 more than China. For the second day running, more than 400 people died in a single day. Daniela Conflonieri is a nurse working at a hospital in Milan in the Lombardy region. We're all working in a state of very high stress and tension. Psychological tension has gone through the roof. Unfortunately, we can't contain the situation in Lombardy. There's a high level of contagion and we're not even counting the dead anymore. The mainland has reported another three coronavirus deaths and 39 imported cases. There were no new local cases. India has executed four men for a notorious gang rape and murder on a bus in the capital, Delhi, in 2012. The attack led to an outpouring of anger from many women about widespread sexual harassment and violence and prompted the government to tighten India's rape laws. Here's the BBC's Rajinia Vadyanathan. Minutes after the men were executed, the victim's mother said she'd hugged her daughter's photo, telling her, we finally got justice. Her child, a student in her early 20s, was brutally gang-raped and murdered on a December evening in 2012 as she took a bus home from the cinema. Six men were accused of the crime. One was found dead in jail, thought to have taken his own life. The other, a juvenile, was released in 2015. The remaining four were hanged in the early hours of this morning, the first executions in India in five years. A new study has found vampire bats establish friendships by sharing regurgitated blood with their neighbours. Here's the BBC's Steve Jackson. Vampire bats are the only mammals to feed on blood, which they get by biting larger animals such as cattle. But their eating habits operate on a boom or bust basis. They either hit the jackpot and get a huge meal or go hungry. The sharing behaviour the researchers have observed appears to be an important aspect of their bonding. Strangers next to each other in a roost develop relationships by grooming each other and swapping food. But after three days without a meal, the bats run the risk of starving. So sharing their blood mouth-to-mouth can also be a life-saving act. Conservationists are hailing the tentative recovery of Africa's critically endangered black rhinos. The latest figures show a modest annual increase in the black rhino population over the last six years. Their numbers are thought to have grown to more than 5,600. The recovery is being attributed to ambitious protection efforts against poachers. To business and low-cost carrier, Hong Kong Express says it will temporarily ground all its flight from Monday until the end of April because of the pandemic, the imposition of a travel ban affecting Hong Kong and many other Asian destinations, as well as a sharp drop in tourist arrivals. The airline, owned by Cathay Pacific, operates 25 routes. It said 23 of them had already been cancelled. And mainland conglomerate Golden Financial says it's been approached by a would-be buyer for its Kaitak residential site, which it bought in a government tender for more than $8.9 billion in 2018. The the company didn't reveal the identity of the buyer or how much it offered, but said it's a well-established property developer. Currencies and the US dollar is trading at 110.22 yen. The euro is standing at 1 US dollar and 7 cents. The pound is worth 9 Hong Kong dollars and 1 cent. 
Hong Kong stocks jumped more than 2.5% at the open as investors welcomed massive stimulus measures unveiled to offset the impact of the coronavirus pandemic. A short time ago, the Hang Seng Index was at 22,372, 663 points up on the previous close. And now with the sports, here's Adam Chung. The Olympic flame has arrived in Japan this morning in a scaled-down ceremony at an airbase in the northeast of the country. The flame landed amid growing doubts if the Tokyo Games can open a schedule on July the 24th because of the coronavirus pandemic. On Thursday, a ceremony was held behind closed doors in Athens where the flame began its journey to Japan from Greece. Here's the BBC's Mike Sanders. A ceremony stripped of its lifeblood, spectators, a forlorn symbol of a game that many people think should not go ahead. The flame was handed to the Japanese swimmer Naoko Imoto, who lives locally and did not have to flout advice against travel. The Japanese relay will be heavily restricted. Taro Aso, a former Japanese prime minister, spoke of the cursed Olympics, recalling the Tokyo Games abandoned in 1940 after the Second World War broke out. The president of World Athletics, Sebastian Coe, says it's too early to decide whether to postpone or cancel the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. The International Olympic Committee have stated they still expect the Games to begin on time despite the pandemic. Coe says there's no need to make a call just yet. Anything is possible at the moment, but I think the the position that sport has certainly taken and It was certainly the views, I think, the temperature of the room in the conversation I had the other day with the IOC and certainly with our other federations that we may, nobody is saying we will be going to the Games come what may. Uh, And it may be that over the change, you know, the course of changing events and they're changing by the hour, that that is something we have to confront. But it isn't a decision that has to be made at this moment. Here at home, all professional football fixtures are being played behind closed doors, including this weekend's FA Cup semifinals. Tomorrow, the four-time winners Eastern square off against Pegasus. Our football commentator Chris K.L. Lau believes Eastern will be counting on their physical style of play to take them through once again. Eastern and Pegasus have little to no chance of a league title, so a cup is their target. It will be a physical game. And Eastern would look to win ugly again, as they literally kicked Kitsi out of the cup last weekend. Eastern are on a three-game winning streak. Eastern has match winners like Wong Wai and Sandro, who tend to rise to the occasion. Eastern have to contain Pegasus striker Jean Diego Mosa. Ironically, Mosa is an Eastern player on loan to Pegasus. I expect Eastern to win, though it will be very tough. Globally, there is not much sport, so the Hong Kong FA Cup will take centre stage. The second semi-final will be played on Sunday. That's between the current Premier League leaders RNF and Taipo. And that's your look at sports. And to end the news, the top stories once again. The Civic Party says government foot-dragging over virus testing caused chaos at the airport yesterday. The authorities admit they're encountering delays activating bracelets designed to monitor new arrivals in quarantine. And the government says there's no change in the SAR's policy for foreign journalists, despite Beijing's move to revoke credentials for reporters at several U.S. publications. The news from RTHK.
And welcome to the One Two Three Show with me, Noreen Mir, on this Friday afternoon, Friday the twentieth of March is today's date. Thanks to Phil for the morning brew. We've got a busy program today on the One Two Three Show. As usual, uh, we will have the Agenda Cafe coming up uh, after two o'clock. But first, uh, we are talking to Avi Schiffman, who is a teenager from Seattle in the United States, about a website that he has built. And uh, this website is really cool. It really helps uh, the world to keep updated on the COVID-19 pandemic as it spreads. So uh, we'll be chatting with Avi in about uh, 10 minutes or so.